Welcome to the Our Savior Speaks podcast from Our Savior Episcopal Church, located at 4227 Columbia Road in Martinez, Georgia. Through this podcast, we'll be sharing messages of hope and encouragement that can be found in the life and lessons of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will also explore ways in which God can work through each of us to make our Lord's grace and love a reality for all of humanity. On this week's Our Savior Speaks podcast, Bob Thompson will be delivering the message. Now, Bob is a lay preacher here at Our Savior, as well as a mentor for the Education for Ministry program here at our parish. So he brings that background and that knowledge into this week's message that will be focusing on the passage from Matthew's Gospel with the landowner, the tenants, and the harvest. And he's going to talk about how this is a story of how humanity tends to reject God even when we think we might be honoring God with our rules and regulations. And thankfully, thankfully, how God never gives up on us even when we don't get it right. So he's going to explore that that even farther in his sermon, which I think you'll take a lot from on this day. So the passage that Bob will be using is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 33 through 43. A reading from the book of Exodus. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is a reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss 
because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached a goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what do you, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produce the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable. They realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So as the stewardship chairman, when I read this gospel the first time, I thought to myself, man, why couldn't this have been the gospel for stewardship? I could have gone on for an hour with this. So perhaps from your point of view, you should be happy that this isn't stewardship Sunday. But being the good stewardship chairman that I aim to be, I will remind you during stewardship of this reading. At first, when I read this, it made me think about my home in Florida. Behind my house was an orange grove, and I watched the migrant workers day after day who were hired to run the grove. And each day, all the hard workers, they were out there, and it was just unbelievable what they had to do to make the grove productive and profitable. They were constantly busy doing something. There was never a day that they weren't out there. And the amount of time and money that was spent to get that orchard to harvest every year was phenomenal. I would sometimes go back to the fence and chat with the guys. And they would explain to me what they were doing. And they'd give me advice for the puny little tree that I had in my yard. The money that they had to spend to protect that crop was incredible. For instance, one winter, and yes, I know this is hard to believe, but in South Florida we do have freezes. We had a freeze warning. And it was at the time of the year when the blossoms were getting ready to turn to fruit, which is a critical time. So to keep those fruit, those blossoms from getting frosted that night, they hired a helicopter to hover over the, over the crop. Five hours that helicopter went on. I got little sleep that night. $9,000 an hour is what it cost them to have that helicopter fly over their orchard. So you can see that they went to great lengths to protect their orchard. And the parable made me think of what it would have been like if this same scenario would have been there at that grove. Had the people working every day, busting their rear ends, and then all of a sudden the owner shows up and wants his cut of the profits. How would I have felt? Could there be a feeling of greed? Let me ask you a question. When you were a child, was there ever a time when your parents took something away from you? Because, as they may have said to you, you're not taking care of that. And it was something that they probably spent good money on and hate it, you see, hate it to see you tearing it up and not take care of it. Well, if so, maybe you can hear what Jesus is saying in this parable of the tenants. It's a parable about God's kingdom on earth. It's not hard to figure out that God is the landowner. The religious leaders and the people who reject Jesus are the tenants, and the prophets are the slaves that the landowner sent. And Jesus is the landowner's son. God gave us the kingdom. God gave the kingdom to the Israelites to take care of and to do his work. But they rejected him and what they were supposed to do, and they turned away from him. In return, he sent the prophets to warn them, but they rejected the prophets too, even to the point of hurting or killing them like they did to Jeremiah or Amos, just to name a few. 
Finally, God sent his son, Jesus, to warn them and teach them. But they rejected him also. And then they crucified him. I think the parable of the tenants in today's gospel represents our broken relationship with God. God's attempts to fix it and mankind's rejection to his attempts. What is truly incredible is that in spite of our continual rejections, our Lord's love for us never wavers. God never gives up on us. I myself feel like this parable is all about greed, and greed runs rampant in today's society. That's why the parable is so timely and relevant today. As Father Al pointed out last week, we're in the beginning of a new election cycle, and I think we can all agree that greed certainly is rooted deeply in politics. Jesus knows the selfish conditions of hearts, and he wants us to change our ways. This parable speaks of anger and hatred against God and those who oppose God. This can be anyone. Last week's Old Testament reading was water from the rock, and the gospel today of the evil tenants are similar stories. In both cases, God told the people what was expected, and in both cases, the people reject God. God has done everything possible to give Israel every advantage. A covenant was established. God led them through their good times and delivered them from the slavery of Egypt. The promised land was offered as an inheritance. The law and the prophets were given to guide them, but were the Israelites grateful to God? It doesn't seem so. And isn't it ironic that the ultimate rejection of Jesus in this reading refers to the foundation of the church? And we all know that the church isn't this building that we're in, but we are the church, those who accept him. It's an example of something that is rejected, but then that becomes something useful, something that can change the world. I believe that the attitude of the tenants in today's gospel is represented by the Pharisees. They were so concerned about obeying the law that they came up with many, many, many more laws and regulations governing what the people could do and could not do. And in time, we all know that the Pharisees came into an attitude of being entitled to God's kingdom. Even though they disregarded the spirit of God's law, they considered themselves to be the only people who were good enough for God's kingdom. In reality, they were rejecting God, even though they thought they were honoring him. I believe in today's society that we have a similar attitude. Our world today is not a world that God will let us live in forever. We are people who have been chosen not for privilege, but for service to humanity. And we all know that service to humanity is the best work of life. And when we try to be in charge, it speaks of privilege and arrogance. And when we fall into the trap of thinking that we have a right to the many blessings that we are a part of the world we live in, 
if we want to avoid the same fate as the religious leaders, if we want to live in the eternal kingdom, we have to know what God wants us to do with our lives. If we want God to bless our stewardship, we have to live in a more loving manner, care more about each other, and go out and spread our faith. In other words, we have to be fruitful and multiply as Christians. God wants productive tenants in his vineyard. Do we want to be God's tenants? The only rent God will charge us is our time, our talents, and a small portion of our money. We are called to be stewards of our lives, to give of ourselves in the name of the Lord as disciples of Jesus Christ. We are to share ourselves, our time, and our possessions as a sign of God's love. Wherever we spend our time and energy working at our job, or caring for our family, or helping those in need, making sure that the less fortunate are taken care of, these places are for us to be aware of the fact that we are doing God's work in God's vineyard, and we will be held responsible for it at the time of our own judgment. While performing those tasks, we're not alone. God has invested care and concern for the work that we do in the Lord's vineyard. And in the end, it's God's ways are what we're trying to accomplish. We must, re we must remember that we are only the tenants in this vineyard. Giving grows out of loving, and loving comes from God. We know love because we know that God loved us first. And when we know love, we want to love others in return. Giving is an answer to God's love, and our giving makes things happen. My mother always taught us as children that it was better to give than it is to receive. So we should be thankful for the worldly things that God has given to us. Be happy with what we have, and trust that God has a plan for our future. I interpret this parable as a statement of God's concern for us and a statement that God's plan cannot be overtaken by mankind. If we love God, we have faith that God knows the best way for us to live. Our God knows how to keep us from going down the wrong path. To borrow from John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to pay for our sins so that we could be free from sin and walk in a more holy way. So which consequences do we want to reap at the end of our lives? Do we want to be greedy, evil tenants that are in the gospel reading? Or do we want to be the good caretakers of the world that God has given to us to tend to? We should be reminded that the parable of the tenants is a statement of God's concern for us and a statement of God's plan cannot be defeated by humans. If we love God, we have the faith that God knows what's best for us to live by. Amen.